At no time has the church ever been more filled with power than it is in this section. Because on the day in which this scene is about to unfold, they have already experienced the outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit in what we call Pentecost. 3,000 had already joined their membership by that day alone because of the power in the lives of the people. They had already experienced within the last 90 days seeing the resurrected Jesus Christ. I mean, this was a powerful moment in the life of the church. And as such, they became a very peculiar community. I want you to hear the description we find at the end of Acts 2. Susie? All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. <coughs> Excuse me. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this good word and this amazing witness. And we pray that as we stand in the face of it today, we might discover and receive the ability to also be so peculiar that we stand out in the world with gifts that are unique enough to heal the wounds that so many carry. Speak to each person in this room and continue to move in our hearts and minds individually and collectively to the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. But I want you to think about the passage of Scripture you just heard. What stands out to you? What's the first thought you think of when you hear this passage read? Anybody? I sure hope. Choir, you got anything? What? To give? All right, they gave. So let me tell you what stood out to me. I listened to this passage, and I heard the church described as people who shared all of their possessions and sold them so they could pool their resources and care for one another. Does that not scare you? I mean, I'm willing to even buy into the fact Christians are called to be generous, but there are some things I am not willing to give up. You cannot have my eight-weight St. Croix fly rod, I'm sorry. Does God really intend the church to live as a holy commune where we share all things in common and, and we just give all we have so all can... Well, let me, let me calm you for a little bit if you're anxious about this. One, you'll understand why we don't put this out as the first scripture for all new Christians to read, because they're going to run it off into the woods. 
But also, if you read Scripture, you'll come to understand that throughout even the rest of the book of Acts and into Paul's writings to the rest of the New Testament, the early church did not sustain this kind of living. Not all of the early church lived as a commune. They couldn't pull it off. They didn't even try. But it's what strikes us, I think, when we first read this passage. It's what makes us sort of back off of it a little bit. Like, man, those guys were on a super high. And they were, but for justifiable reasons. They had just, within the last 90 days, spoken with, seen, and touched the resurrected Jesus Christ. And on the very day of upon which we are talking about, at 9 o'clock in the morning, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them so powerfully that it gave to them the ability to speak tongues that they never were able to speak in before. It looked as if they were on fire or drunk, depending on your perspective. I mean, they were blown away in a transformed community. They were so on fire that they fell in love with God so deeply and in the mission of caring for each other in that intimacy, man, they were willing to give everything they had for any as had need. Maybe you've had this experience. Maybe it was your experience. But I've been with a number of folks the first time they fall in love with Jesus Christ. I mean the first time they have an overwhelming power of Jesus Christ happen in their life. They get a conviction moment, a born-again moment, whatever you want to call it. But man, they are so caught up in the love of Jesus. And what I've come to learn with Christians who are like that, the best thing you can do is put them in a closet for about a week. They are so radioactive Not even other Christians can stand them. Now, I'm not against being all excited about Jesus. I'm not, obviously. But I am here to suggest that sometimes we get caught up in certain moments we act in a very peculiar way, and that's what's happening in the life of this church. They were so caught up, they were willing to do whatever was necessary to help meet the need of any, any who had need. They were willing to even change how they live their lives. Because I want to suggest to you the radical nature of this passage is not the fact that they sold their possessions. It's what they did with how they lived their lives. They were so hungry for this love of God in their life, they intentionally put themselves in places where they could receive more of it. What did they do? It said daily, daily they were going to the temple. They wanted to be in a place where they could worship the living God. They didn't want one day to pass where they didn't have a chance together as a community of brothers and sisters to give God thanks and praise. And not only that, when they left temple and they went back to their homes and their work and their schools and the places they hung out with their friends, they wanted to continue to experience God's grace and power. So much so, it says, they celebrated the breaking of bread in their homes. That is not saying that they had lunch. It is saying daily they had communion, holy communion in their homes, in their relationships, because they just wanted to be washed in this grace and love they'd come to experience in Jesus Christ. They were a very peculiar and unique community of people. And they lived in a bizarre way. But what made them most bizarre, I think, was the willingness they had to be so generous so filled up with God's grace and love that they are ready to meet any as had need. They were a standout community. They were easily identifiable by anybody in the neighborhood because folks just don't live like that. 
And in a hurting and broken world back then and now, communities that are ready to be filled by the power of God to meet need as anyone has it stands out. And that's certainly what is happening here. They even stood out so much as a unique community of faith, we talk about them 2,000 plus years later. And people were drawn to them. By the thousands, they continued to come because they found a community that would speak to their hurts, to their restlessness, to their pain, to their boredom, and a community that would replace all those things with joy and hope. Standout communities stand out to the whole world. Anything that stands out, that gives life in a new way, is memorable. How many of you have ever in your life sat under, been blessed by a standout teacher. I mean, that one teacher, or maybe those couple teachers you remember in your life, immediately, boom, you think of, as those were the ones. And you don't remember what they taught you in terms of facts and figures alone, though perhaps that. What you remember about them, I'm willing to guess, is the fact that they took time to get to know who you were with your unique quirks and gifts. And they were willing to walk with you on your journey so that not only could you graduate from their class, but you could be shaped and formed and sent perhaps on a path you never even saw possible before. Amen? Those teachers stand out in our hearts and minds. And sometimes those teachers toil for years not even realizing the impact they had. A few years Months ago, maybe half a year or so, Laura and I went back to a former church where we were in a festivity that they were having a party and saw a lot of folks we hadn't seen for a long time. And while we're standing there, you know how it is. You're looking at people we haven't seen for 25 years. And they all look very different. I look the same, but they all looked very different. And I was trying to figure out sometimes who this person was coming up to me. Well, at one of those moments, gathered around talking to people, this young woman came up to me young being relative, right? She's probably in her late 30s or so. But she comes up to me, and she lays on me this big bear hog and just loves on me and turns to the people around me and says, this is the man who turned my life around and taught me who Jesus Christ really was. I did not know that. I did not know I had that impact on her. And teachers, whoever you are as a teacher, you don't understand in any given moment the impact you're having on someone else planting seeds that may come to harvest years later or sometimes just giving somebody a sense of identity and hope and a safe place in a chaotic life. When I posted a few seconds ago, uh, you know, that I'm at Clarks United Methodist Church. I talked about Morgan's baptism, and I talked about, you know, honoring teachers. And I just, as worship's going on, I looked at my phone, and I got an uh, answer back from one of my friends from kindergarten days who said, I'm sure one of the people you remember right now is your own Aunt Beulah. I had forgotten Aunt Beulah was a teacher because she's Aunt Beulah. But she touched a lot of lives in her long career. Standout teachers stay in your memory forever because they offer gifts that people don't expect to change lives forever. The church we're talking about at the end of Acts was a standout church because it was unique. It was offering gifts no one else offered. It wasn't asking for people to feed the machine. It was asking people to be open to receiving the gifts of God and to pour them out to others. It says 
they gave to any as had need, and that as had need phrase has been in my mind for the last couple of weeks. As any had need. Do you know the people around you who have need? Do you know who's seated in front of you or behind you or to your right or left today who has need? Do you know? I want to suggest to you the answer to that probably is both yes and no. Probably all of us can think of some folks, people we know, friends we know, family we love, whatever, who have need, and they're always on our hearts and minds. But I want to tell you right now, here's what I have also come to discover with a great deal of pain. Sometimes the person right in front of me may be presenting as everything's okay, and I will not be at all aware of how deep the need is they have within their hearts. I just don't know. And I carry within my heart right now, literally today, ache and fear, if I'm to be confessional, for some people who are hurting and have need. And some of them I've only just become recently aware of after a long time not knowing. And if you have that ache, that fear, You see, what's made this church stand out is it made the assumption that every person has some level of need. And it wasn't hoping just to meet the two or three who had the wild needs, but rather to meet any as they had need with grace and hope and mercy and compassion and patience. So maybe as you sit next to the person next to you or brush by the person you're going to walk by this morning in worship, Maybe it'd be wise to make the assumption that the person you're with is, in fact, a child of God, and yes, in fact, may indeed have a need in their life. So while you may not be the one who gets to know all about that need, you can at least treat them with compassion and grace and offer them holy friendship. Because some days, all you need is someone who acts like they care in the name of Jesus. Because I'm also going to tell you this. There are some people's needs you will never meet. There are some people's needs who are so great, you're not going to be the one to fix them. That's not even your calling or job. But maybe you and maybe I and maybe we as the church are called to be a community that says, as long as you have need, you will not be there alone. We will invite you into holy friendship. And we will care about you just because you are who you are. And we will sit with you in that need until God moves in the way that resolves it. What made this church stand out is these people were so filled with the love and grace of God. They wanted to meet need. And that's what I need to tell you right now. What made these people so outstanding as a church was not because they were automatically so amazing, but because they first took care of meeting their own need. They first put themselves in a place where God could fill them up. They first put themselves in a place where they could worship God on a regular basis. They put themselves in a place where they were engaged in a regular relationship, conversation, 
with Jesus Christ. And they filled up their own hearts or allowed God to fill them up. So then they actually had something to offer. I discovered that whatever talent you may have, whatever skill sets you may have, if it comes void of the power of God underneath it, you're really not offering all that's necessary. And so as a community of faith, we gather here today to get filled up so that it can bubble out of us, it can pour out of us, that grace might actually splash overflowing out of our lives and wash on somebody else as an act of grace. We just baptized Morgan, who just got carried out, I think. God bless her. She had pastoral permission. The rest of you have to stay. But did you see the water we splashed on her? I like a lot of water in baptism. I'm not about dry baptisms. You understand that, right? And I want water splashed all over the place because for me, it is what God is doing through all the baptized. God is pouring water on you so it could splash over on somebody else. But you can't splash somebody else unless you're overflowing yourself. That's what this church did. So we gather to worship to be fed. We gather to pray so we can be filled. We gather to serve so we can find our identity. But we do so not only for our own sake, but for the sake of others we can then bless. When you come to worship, you do not know. You have no way of knowing how you're affecting the lives of those sitting around you. You may not ever know their need, but they're not sitting in an empty sanctuary by themselves trying to sing a single-note hymn with no other voices to carry it. We gather together so all might be filled with the grace that's overflowing in us. So I want to invite us today to be that standout community, not for our own sake, but because God has offered to us grace upon grace where we can care for and meet the needs of others as any have need. And so I invite us today to close this part of my message with a prayer. And this prayer is very simple. And I'm going to tell you this prayer before I offer us to pray it. It's two parts. First, I want you to place in your mind the people that you are already aware of in your hearts and minds that have needs. You think of folks, I know you do. The people who you just wish you could make it better. You, the people whose, whose their need breaks your heart. I want you to think about them. And in the first part of this prayer, I want to ask God to bless your life so you can be filled up by grace so that to those who need it, you have something to offer. And then the second prayer is to hold those people in need, the ones you know and the ones you don't know but are around you right now, that they might receive through you and from God what they need. Would you join me in that prayer? Let us pray. Loving God, I ask you in these next few moments of silence to fill up your people with love, with grace, with hope, with compassion, with mercy, with forgiveness and steadfastness. Fill us up, Lord, as we open our hearts and lives to you.
Now, Lord, as you continue to fill us up, we place before you those whom we know and those whom we can walk with who are in need. Use the grace you're pouring into us to be filled to a reservoir that will splash on and bless others and help them meet their need as they have it. for what we can be to each other and for that hidden, mysterious work that you do that we will never see but will affect and change lives. We give you thanks, and to your glory we humbly offer ourselves. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.